0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit SolidLives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: So he got into a boat, Jesus speaking of, crossed over and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. Isn't that interesting? He's paralyzed, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. And at once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now when the multitude saw it, they marvelled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. So a couple of things to note on this story, it says, Jesus Uh, When this paralytic man was let down through the roof, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Instead of saying, be healed, he said, your sins are forgiven you. What does that tell us? The the reason they're lowering this man is because he's paralyzed. He needs to be healed. But Jesus addresses his sin. See, if you're with us in yesterday's reading, you'll notice that we were watching Jesus just being willing to heal, heal, heal. But we mentioned that sometimes there's something blocking and precluding the healing that the Lord wants to bring. And in this case, evidently it was sin. Now, that's not the case with everybody, but in this case, Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven you. <laughs> and so, uh, well, people got upset at that because they didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, really, and they didn't believe he could forgive sins, so they thought he was blaspheming. But Jesus said, What's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you, or rise and walk. So what does Jesus do? He's putting uh, forgiveness of sins, or we could call it salvation, forgiveness of sins, and healing in the same category. Well, it's just like the stripes of Jesus. You know, Jesus came to die on the cross, but he also took stripes for our healing. He did that all at the same time. It's all included in what we consider the cross, even though the stripes took place just prior to the cross. It's all the same uh, sacrifice that Jesus was making of himself, on our behalf. And so Jesus is saying, what's easier to say? They're all in the same category. If you're coming, you have to go to God to receive forgiveness of sins, and you have to go to God to receive healing. See, and so Jesus is saying, What's easier to say? And so anyway, he turns right around and says, Arise, take up your bed and walk. So first he said, Your sins are forgiven you, and then he says, Arise, take up your bed and walk. What does that mean? It's the will of the Lord Jesus, and he's showing it here, that if there's anything blocking our healing, well, let's get that taken care of. Let's get that right before God. Let's get into a position to receive before the Lord, and then let's receive from the Lord. I know this. Somebody said, well, that's oversimplifying it. Well, uh, my problem is, and maybe yours too, I just keep reading the Bible. The Bible talks about these things like that. I think it's our traditions that complicate it, not the Bible. One person said, the Bible is so simple, you need help to misunderstand it. Well, I don't know if that's overstated or not, but I think it has some truth to it that sometimes it's not so much what the Bible says that's unclear, but all those other beliefs that we try to bring in and merge together, they don't merge. They're incompatible with the Bible. Just let the Bible say what it says and believe it like it says it, and it's amazing the results that we get. And so, Anyway, this man was healed just like the others that we've been reading about. All right, let's move on now. Verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. I mean, just like that. There's something about the words of God, even two words, follow me. Now, it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold many tax collectors, And sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Notice he called Matthew a tax collector. Matthew was a tax collector and Jesus called him. And now we see what's happening. He's reaching many tax collectors. This is what we need to know. Every person that we reach, there's a a natural grouping. There's a natural uh, cultural uh, network that they have. And so Jesus is now reaching these many tax collectors. And it says, they came and sat with him and his disciples. Verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so Jesus will bring this up uh, again. But he's trying to help people to understand, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, you remember Samuel told Saul to obey is better than sacrifice. In other words, God doesn't want us to go ahead and sin and then come back to repent and confess our sins. Just like in the Old Testament, God didn't want Israel, the Israelis, or excuse me, the Israelites, they'd be called back then, to sin and then bring a sacrifice to repent of their sin, God said, no, I'd rather you obey. Why, why disobey and then bring a sacrifice? Sometimes I'll hear people say, well, you know, forgiveness is easier than permission. But that's true. But that's what the, the Lord is addressing here, saying, no, you should do it the right way and not do it the wrong way and just seek forgiveness afterward. You should do it the right way. And so he said, "I desire mercy and not sacrifice in the same way jesus is saying i 'm not really after the lamb that' sacrificed that 's not really what i'm what i 'm wanting. Yes, I gave you that system because your sin needs to be dealt with, but what I ra- my heart is to have mercy if people would be genuinely repentant without having to go through that sacrificial system in the Old Testament." then the Lord would have had mercy on them if they would have genuinely repented. But he needed to show them the the gravity and severity of sin, that some human being, innocent human being, is going to be killed because of your sin. And so Jesus said, but my heart is that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So he's helping them to understand that the reason he's Uh, sitting and eating with people that are unbelievers and sinners is because he wants to reach them. He wants to reach them, not punish them, not condemn them, not push them down. He wants to lift them up. But to do that, he has to get the gospel To them. Verse 14 Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth. On an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So Jesus is answering the question about fasting, and he's saying to them that well, while I'm here, the bridegroom he saying, while I'm here then my disciples don't need to fast. But there will be a time when I'm taken away. And of course, we're still in that time now. He said, and they will fast. They will fast. And then he gives a couple of examples here. Nobody puts an unshrunk piece of cloth on an old garment because the old garment's already shrunk. The new one's not. The patch has not. So once it it pulls by shrinking, then it tears the garment. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, listen, you've got an old way of doing things. And I'm bringing to you a new way of doing things, a new covenant, a new new insight that actually helps you to better understand the law of Moses, the Old Testament law. He said, I'm bringing something fresh, but you cannot keep doing things the way that you were doing things. You can't put this new wine into old wineskins. That also implies that the Holy Spirit, the new wine of the Holy Spirit cannot go in an old dead uh, spirit. This spirit inside of us needs to be born again so that the new wine of the Holy Spirit can come in to this new born again spirit. So that also applies, but he's also talking about new and old ways of doing things, new and old covenant. Verse 18, while he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will be, she will live. Now look at the faith there. My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Now in Mark's gospel, uh, it clarifies that he actually came before she died. And while Jesus was ministering to the woman with the flow of blood, they came and said, your daughter's dead. But notice the faith here. He said, come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. She will live. So there's faith there. If you'll come and lay your hand on her, she will live. And notice this. It goes on to say, so Jesus arose and followed him. Do you see his willingness to heal? He He didn't say, well, she's already dead now, or well, let me talk to the Father and see if it's his will to heal. No, Jesus responded Look at, look at how he responds instantly. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly, here's the woman. A woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. So listen to that faith. She said within herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. Do you see the faith? Boy, people today, I don't hear them talk such faith. But these people that were getting healed, they heard about Jesus or they heard him teach or some way they got some faith. And what they would say is something absolute instead of, well, if it be his will and a sure hope God will do something. Well, we'll just see what happens. And no, they weren't talking like that. The centurion or the, the ruler of the synagogue came and said, if you lay your hand on her, my daughter will live even though it says she died. And then the woman, if I can just touch his garment, I shall be made well. Do you see these statements of faith? Now watch this. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now I know some people say, no, no, it's the power of God. Because in other, uh, in Mark's gospel, it says Jesus felt power go out from him. So we know it was the power that healed that woman? Well, of course it was the power of God from Jesus that healed this woman. Well, that's that's undisputed. But what triggered it? What triggered the power of God? Well, Jesus is clarifying this. It was her faith. In fact, Jesus didn't initiate this at all. He didn't even know this was happening until he felt power go out from him and he started turning around and saying, who touched me? And that's when he discovered This lady was the one that had said these things and she told him the whole story. It says in Mark's gospel. So notice this, be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. Let me tell you, faith in God's word, faith in God's promises makes a huge difference with answered prayer. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, now we're back to the ruler of the synagogue and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. He said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. Well, of course, the Bible clarified she was dead. So why is Jesus saying she's sleeping? See, because dead has a, death has a finality to it. And Jesus is changing it from dead. He's using his words to say, no, I'm not accepting that this is a final death. I'm saying she's sleeping because uh, I'm going to wake her up. I'm going to get her back to consciousness and being awake and alive. So he calls it sleeping. He did the same thing, by the way, with Lazarus when Lazarus was dead. So it says, make room for the for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. And by the way, they'll ridicule other people who are walking by faith and understand some of these things in in these spiritual activities. And they're saying something not to... Uh, deceive somebody into thinking something's not true because there's no benefit to that. But they're saying something because they know there's another reality in the spirit besides the reality that we're experiencing here with our eyes and with our ears. So they ridiculed Jesus. Verse 25. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went uh, went out into all that land. Now, do you remember the ruler of the synagogue said, if you'll lay your hand on her, she'll live. Well, Jesus went, took his hand, grabbed the little girl's hand, and uh, he ended up saying, we know in Mark's gospel, little girl, I say to you, arise, Talitha kumi. And she was, she was raised from the dead and she was healed. So exactly what the father had said is exactly what happened. And notice the faith. Jesus said to the woman, daughter, your faith has made you well. All right. Verse 26. And the report went into all the land. Verse 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him crying, crying out and saying, son of David, have mercy on me. What does son of David mean? Well, uh, son of David is a reference to the Messiah that was to come. Okay, so of course that was Jesus, but the the Jewish people knew that the Messiah would be the son of David because it had been prophesied that he would be the son of David. He would be born uh, in Bethlehem, and also that David's throne would last forever because of the Messiah. So the Jewish people knew this. So when Jesus is coming, and and the blind men here are crying out son of David. What are they saying? I believe you're the Messiah. Have mercy on me. See, that's faith. That's faith. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Notice he's wanting to know about his faith. See, Jesus just just didn't go around patting everybody on the head, say healed, 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 healed. No, he preached and taught and built faith. But notice Jesus is zeroing in on faith. And it says, he said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, listen to what Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. According to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened and Jesus sternly warned them saying, see that no one knows it. Well, why did he do that? Because Jesus wasn't wanting people to get so excited about him to try to make him some king or something because he wasn't on earth at that point to do that to become king and reign. The second coming, he will. See, that's what's prophesied about the Messiah, but not the first coming. See, and Jesus knew if the whole nation of Israel recognized him as Messiah at that point, they would try to make him king so that he would establish the kingdom like he's going to do in the second coming. And so Jesus was trying to keep things on the down low while still fulfilling his assignment and showing the heart of God and his faithfulness to his promises. This is so good, isn't it? But anyway, he said, do you believe I'm able to do it? Yes, Lord. According to your faith, let it be done to you. So once again, we can see that Jesus is modeling and teaching that our faith has much to do with us receiving the healing of God. All right, let's come down now to Verse 31, but when they had departed, they spread the news about him and all that country. Though he said not to do it, they did it anyway. Verse 32, and they went out, uh, as they went out, they brought to him a man, mute and demon possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. That tells us something right there. First of all, here's another one. They brought somebody that needed healing to Jesus and Jesus healed him. Just shows the heart of God. It shows the will of God. But notice this, in this case, there were physical disabilities. The man was mute, and it says, uh, mute and demon-possessed. So he was mute, unable to speak. But when the demon was cast out, notice he's not mute anymore. And so many, I'm not saying all, but so many physical sicknesses, diseases, problems, ailments are not really physiological but often they're spiritual. Not every time, but often they're spiritual. And when the spirits are confronted and dealt with, then the healing is there. Now that what the spirits were causing is is no longer happening. And so sometimes we're trying to deal with something with only medication or medical attention or even natural remedies, diet and such but you can't fix demonic problems with that so when the issues are demonic you have to deal with those demons with the name of jesus all right and verse 33 well no let's come down now to uh yeah verse 33 let's stop there and when the demon was cast out the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled saying it was never seen like this in israel but the Pharisees said he cast out demons by the ruler of demons well see how people are I mean, everybody's got an opinion, but most people's opinions are not true. That's why we have to pay attention to the Bible. This is God saying, this is the way that it is. People are going to have perspectives based on their frame of reference or based on their preferences, but God is saying, I sent my word to you, listen to me, and I'll give you the straight scoop on things and how they really work. Verse 35, then Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Almost word for word what Matthew 4.23 says. But this shows in both of those verses, this one and Matthew 4.23, Jesus went around teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Notice he didn't go healing, teaching, and preaching. No, he went teaching, preaching, and healing. Why is that? Very intentional. With, with only a few exceptions, this is how Jesus healed so many people. He first taught and preached, and the Word of God brought faith to people. Then they were coming, believing they were coming to be healed, and they were able to receive. See, and so this is the model. He didn't just go around healing people. No, he, every once in a while, by a manifestation of the Spirit, pools of Bethesda, the man was healed and such. But most often, it was teaching, preaching, and then healing. It's a good model for us. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest so notice when jesus sees the multitudes of the world he's moved with compassion what does he say he says pray the lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest and and uh, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few so this is why by the way this is a little side uh uh uh, little detour. But this is why the Lord has called us and called me to raise up pastors everywhere and to launch house churches everywhere. Because the compassion of the Lord is, let's send out laborers into the harvest with the multitudes of people on the earth that need not only to be saved, but they need to be discipled and cared for by good pastors and shepherds. Thank you for
0: joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.